0: Welcome to the Bishop and Vicar's. I'm Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane, and joining me today is Father Brian Mee, the pastor of St. Augustine and the vicar of finance for our diocese, and Father Pat Kirst, vicar for priests and the pastor of St. Patrick's Parish and St. Thomas More. Father Darren Connell, the vicar general and rector of the cathedral, isn't with us uh, today. We are talking about a, something very important and timely in the lives of, uh, people in Eastern Washington. We recently had a tragic shooting in Freeman, uh, the town of Freeman at a high school at the time that has happened or had happened earlier in the United States. Of course, in the Eastern seaboard, uh, we had the terrible hurricanes of Harvey and then Irma. We've had great tragedy of natural disasters. We have heard recently of uh, North Korea firing another uh, missile over Japan. Again, there are the man-made disasters and there are the natural tragedies, and it affects people's lives in a way that at worst has led to death, but uh, certainly on another level, it's the concept of suffering that, that follows and how people respond to that. People who believe in God, how their faith may be shaken, how people in general handle uh, a life that can be um, well, the sheer horror of, of life at times, the shattering of one's faith. So today we, um, it's a timely topic, but one that will has proportions from the beginning of humanity. And maybe to give us a reflection on on that, maybe father me, you might address that for us.
1: Well, Bishop, as you mentioned, suffering has always been a part of the, the story of humanity. You know, and I, I suppose previous generations, as far as more personal type of sufferings, we could say in previous generations when people didn't have aspirin for their headaches and, um, you know, there was more higher infant mortality and, um, you know, people didn't live as long, there were uh, diseases were more rampant and all all that, we could say, well, we actually live in a time when there is less suffering, but nonetheless, that doesn't really help us who uh, have to deal with whatever suffering we have. But suffering, in other words, has always been part of the human story. So I think it starts there. And so it's not so much, that's just what is. Um, The real question is, well, how does the one who suffer, how does that person deal with it? So in other words, what's the... the, um, more important than the emphasis on suffering is the, the sufferer. Mm-hmm. And in the Old Testament, of course, you had the um, the Jewish people, of course, they went through many tribulations and trials. And whenever there was some disaster that happened, um, they would see that as, well, it was an act of God, but it was God calling the people back to him. In other words, we've forgotten God and he's had to get our attention. Now, that doesn't help us, I suppose, so much when we think of our own suffering, and we think, well, I'm I'm faithful already, I believe in God, but um, the way that one would approach suffering is very different from one who doesn't believe from one who does believe. So I think, first of all, the one who doesn't believe, I, I would say, well, suffering does seem completely um, irrational, and there's not, there's no purpose to it. And it's just, uh, an empty, uh, horrible thing. You know, they don't even have anyone to blame it on if they don't believe in God, I guess. Um, so there's really not much you can do in addressing that. But as far as addressing a believer who deals with suffering, um, well then suffering again, it's the suffering is going to be the same, but somehow we need to transcend the suffering to, well, what, what, Does this say to us about our transcendent God, and um, how do we, how, what, not why does God do this, but how do I react to this suffering through my belief in God? Mm -hmm. Um, Today, the fifteenth of September, we're celebrating what's the feast day today? Our Lady Lady of Sorrows. sorrows. Now, can we name those seven sorrows of Our Lady? Oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Never (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Anyway, well, this was. And the feast comes about in the 1500s, the Servites, you know, first they were celebrating the five joys of Mary and the five sufferings of Mary or sorrows of Mary. Well, the sorrows expanded to seven, and we don't hear much about the joys of the Blessed Mother anymore. Um, But those seven, it was from the very beginning, uh, Simeon saying to Mary that uh, a sword would pierce her heart. And this is when she's bringing the Christ child to the temple to for the circumcision, so I, from the very beginning of her story as mother, all the way through to the last sorrow of Mary is putting her son into the tomb. Um, so suffering is going to accompany all the way through, but the, again, the way um, that suffering is dealt with to recognize that. Uh, we look upon Christ, who suffered for us, and we believe His suffering was redemptive and brings about our redemption. So somehow we join our suffering and sorrows to His reality, recognizing that He does accompany us, and our suffering somehow does have a purpose, even though uh, in this moment, in this present moment, it's incomprehensible to us. And
2: I think that experience of suffering, as that you are reflecting upon, Father Me. There there's that kind of suffering that we experience because of something that was actually done to us or happened to us. So we were there when the earthquake happened. We were the victim when the bomb exploded on the subway. But then there's also that 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 suffering that we experience knowing other people are suffering. And that's tied to that notion compassion, which if my Latin is correct, that means suffering with Mm -hmm. and I think of that line from the scriptures, from the New Testament, about we share our—I'm paraphrasing—but we share one another's joys, we share one another's pains and suffering. And and nowadays we look historically. Well, we weren't all that aware as a as a people a hundred years ago of how people were suffering across the globe. Now, of course, with technology, we know immediately uh, of the people suffering in London today with the a terrorist attack or
0: in the earthquake in Mexico. The
2: earthquake yeah. in Mexico. We we see the pictures and now our experience is probably different in the intensity of of our suffering for people. Well they're a long way away. And when it gets really close to home, that intensifies that experience of suffering, even if it's not, you know, something that was done exactly to me. So uh, this past Wednesday uh, at St. Thomas More we were sitting in our staff meeting and all the phones start going off bells and whistles and it was the announcements coming from the diocese about need for school lockdown and so forth because of the shooting at the freeman school district now that hit pretty close to home for me because up until a few months ago i served as pastor in that region Uh, freeman school Mm -hmm. is close to the town of rockford which has st joseph church in it and i was pastor of that church while i was pastor of st mary's as well and you know i I felt oh my gosh i wonder did i know some of these Mm -hmm. kids and and uh, God bless the pastoral associate of St. Mary Parish, Jeanette Benson, who immediately started sending me texts about I'm checking to see if any of, of our kids that, that were participating in our youth ministry, parts of these parishes, if uh, you know if they were impacted by this. And she'd kind of feel me. I got talked to this family they're none of them, this family. But to think that you know, to the one incredible angst and tragedy of those families who were directly impacted on that, but the whole community suffers and anybody with any kind of direct connection but even a more remote connection obviously the whole town of Spokane's impacted and and, uh, and then it's getting reported in Chicago and on the east coast and and you know people are seeing that and, and they're feeling that same thing you know these families you know how tragic it must be for the family of, of Sam who lost his life and then the the shooter you know mm-hmm. they just must be devastated.
0: And then, of course, the uh, the maintenance man who I think stopped him, mm-hmm. uh, and he was Joe, Joe Bowen, yeah. The, the comment was said, but, you know, why would he do that? And the sheriff at the time said, well, he probably didn't know why he did it, but he knew he had to do it. And uh, and that's what it is. When we come back, uh, we'll continue this discussion on so much that has happened uh, with natural disasters and tragedies and suffering and and how people respond uh, to that in the context, not just of faith, but just the, the healing that needs to take place. Come back. We're talking about some recent events in the world, the uh, natural disasters, the hurricanes, and the uh, eastern seaboard, the earthquake in Mexico, the, the threat of uh, uh, nuclear weapons with North Korea, and tragically here, close to home in Spokane, uh, the shooting in the high school in Freeman. Um, as the vicars, as priests, we've had experience, and, and Father Me as a pastor, and Father Christ uh, as a pastor also, the response uh, to people uh, pastorally when dealing, I mean, here again, we had the local uh, shooting, but how do we do that? How how is the a, a response in this mystery of suffering, however it occurs? How do we respond in a pastor way, offering people strength, uh, some type of meaning, if that's possible, with this mystery of suffering?
1: Well, I I think first of all we point towards uh, those who are at the scene. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned or nine eleven, or if you look at. Um, Hurricane Harvey down in Texas, you hear all these incredible stories of all these people that reached out, uh, in generous ways and in heroic ways. And in our humdrum day to day, we can become very cynical about the society we live in and how people, you know, behave and gee, you know, people aren't like they used to be and all the rest of it. Well, people are how they've always been. And, uh, Ironically, I suppose, enough, it seems like in these moments of tragedy and personal tragedy as well, um, people come to the fore. And so not only in the times of suffering or in, in disaster and tragedy are we to look towards God, but we get to see have an insight into humanity or the spirit of God in others, uh, which so often uh, is acted out in tremendous acts of uh, kindness, generosity, and just um, goodness. Just reflecting on the
2: immediate tragedy of the shooting in the Freeman School, there's obviously the first response as soon as it happens, the community is there and parents are there wanting to make sure their kids are okay and comfort their kids, comfort one another. And then uh, after that, it's it's the process of healing already begins that that's of course an important first step, but how inspirational was it? The statement from the families of the girls who were shot out there who were wounded um, by the shooter and their statement didn't talk about, Oh, we feel very fortunate, lucky there's a silver lining around this cloud. They use the word blessed. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, the families of these girls feel blessed. And we know that your, your prayers and your thoughts are with with us. And, and I think that's stepping up in the face of that tragedy and that suffering with the real faith response that is, Mm -hmm. is the way through it. Uh, People that don't have that, I don't know how they get through it. I think it's devastating and that kind of becomes the end of the story. And, and that's the, uh, that, what they hang their hat on the rest of their life. They've been devastated Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think you are talking about that a little earlier, Father, me in terms of different ways of standing before suffering and, and how faith is truly a gr- wonderful gift to us. And that's, I always say it's kind of where the rubber hits the road for us in our lives as people of faith is standing before suffering death and, and how we uh, look beyond that. And we use words like blessedness and hope and joy. And, uh, and they're very profound words. Those words carry with it uh wonderful things going on in the heart.
1: And I think, um, you know, not that this is that you can comfort someone who's going through suffering with a statement like this, but it should lead us all to a reflection on, especially when you consider Irma and Harvey and all of the um, incredible amount of damage, you know, uh, to property uh, there was. It kind of uh, calibrates, recalibrates what are our values? Mm -hmm. I mean, what should be important in our life? Uh, So, things are so fleeting, you know, sic gloria transit mundi, as Father has always likes to say, uh, so passes the glory of this world. So, if nothing else, it should make us, again, go back to that reflection of, well, in the suffering itself, uh, it's always been with us, And we don't really know why or how to respond to it necessarily. But what should it lead us to reflect on beyond just this moment that so often we find ourselves uh, captive of?
0: We heard that in, uh, for example, the hurricane uh, in Texas and the people's response, I mean, the devastation in Houston, uh, the disruption of lives, um, uh, the recent discovery of those, I think, eight senior citizens in the assisted living facility where the air conditioning was out and they died. And, um, uh, just, you know, again, it was a, a, a cascading of bad news, but then in the midst of this, people who were seemingly, um, had lost everything but had their life placed that into a perspective of, of blessing. And I suppose for, as we we often know, of, we don't can't control what happens to us, but what we can control is our response to to a situation. And for the person of faith, which so often in our society in the United States and I suppose Western Europe is the secularization, where we try to we can't mention faith, uh, we can't talk about faith, and yet for the reality of the human condition, that so often is sh- has been shattered by tragedy it seems that the people who do believe uh, can respond in a way that provides hope and, yeah. and can be a, a way of assisting.
1: You know, uh, we're losing that greatest generation, or what's called the greatest generation. I suppose every generation is the greatest. The, the book by well. my friend Tom Brokaw. Yes, yeah. that one. But, uh, of course, I was raised by parents who came through the Depression, as mm-hmm. I suppose many of us were or our grandparents did. And that time of the depression was so, uh, they were, they were so, it left such an impression upon them that depression did. And um, yet as there was, you know, poverty, there was hardship, there was uh, just so many difficulties to deal with. But in the aftermath of that, once the depression was over, You'd hear these people and they'd speak about, well, how the community came together and how there was a care and concern for one another. I suppose they were, uh, as time passed, you know, they were kind of putting a golden hue to it, but it really did impress them with some values as well. So, again, I, when we get caught in the moment, it's very difficult for us to uh, comprehend what well, we perhaps never comprehend, but to understand or make sense. Of the tragedy or the difficulty or that period of the depression that we're going through oftentimes it's only in looking back do we see well where did that lead and so it's also an, an awareness whatever tragedy or whatever uh, disasters uh, befall us why we're really not going to get it clear or be able to reflect on it well and have an understanding of it until there's some distance between it and ourselves you know it's just like uh, how often something happens in a given day and we think well I'm not going to react until that till tomorrow because I need some time to put Mm -hmm. it in perspective and of course these huge disasters well it might be hard for us ever to put it into perspective but recognizing the time is also given us so that at least we come to a clear vision or focus of what what fully came about because of the di- disasters that took place.
0: Earlier uh, this week, we uh, tragically had the anniversary, the 16th anniversary of September 11th, and uh, during the break, I was asking Father Kirst, he was pastor at the time in, in Walla Walla, Father me at the time was at Mount Angel. I was um, assigned, I was teaching high school, and I remember the news coming across, and As a school, uh, the Marin Catholic at the time, we gathered the entire student body together, 730 students, uh, for Mass. And it seemed uh, our response was one of prayer as as that was all unfolding. Here we are on the West Coast, but we were seeing on television. And then the the lives that were, uh, you know, uh, over that period of time that Father Me has mentioned, there were days when suddenly it became very clear that people weren't coming home that they were in one of the towers and and how we respond to that I remember the churches I don't know how if it was in your time how the churches were so full on Sunday uh, well I remember the time.
2: I remember the very day I forget which day of the week 911 was mm-hmm. that year but I was. Uh, at- you know, as is my custom, I was at the gym chiseling this physique, yeah. and uh, I, I was on the the A machine. Miracle worker.
1: Years and years, yeah. you worked at that exactly, lobby yeah.
2: physique with that, with that dull chisel, and and yeah. I was on the machine, and the TV was on, and of course, every program was interrupted with this news of the Twin Towers having been hit with the planes, and so I, you know, left the gym and went home, and cleaned up immediately. Calls coming into the parish uh, is. Are we going to have a prayer service? You know, people of faith wanting to come together in prayer for this tragedy that happened across the country. And Sister Sharon Bongiorno was pastoral minister at the time there, and she quickly put together a, a prayer service for that day. And we were able to get it advertised in the newspaper, which comes out in the afternoon in Walla Walla. So we got it in the paper and had an evening service and full church and another Side note on that, uh, Sister Sharon was able to put together this so quickly because of one of the beautiful parts of our Catholic tradition of having a deep, rich sense of liturgy. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to invent anything here. It was, we, we know about using scripture to pray with. We know about intercessory prayer. We know about litanies and, 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 and she put psalms, together and psalms mm-hmm. turning to the psalms and the gospel and a and, uh, very powerful experience, people wanting to come together in a time of tragedy and pray. In
0: the midst of everything, as, as Christians, we can never lose sight, no matter how tragic a circumstance is, we cannot lose the hope that comes from the risen Christ. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back as we talk about the recent events in our world and in our country and even local community of tragedy and other disasters. Welcome back. It's the Bishop and the Vickers, and we're talking today, Father me and Father Kirst, about what's happened in our local community, uh, the shooting in Freeman, but also throughout uh, our nation with the hurricanes and the other uh, natural disasters and uh, always the threat of terrorism with the bombing of the subway in London that we heard about uh, today. And I remember, uh, as a young priest, the earthquake in 89. Now, I understand they don't often have earthquakes uh, up here in Spokane. But in that 89 earthquake, uh, it was during the time of the World Series. at the old Candlestick Park, that Father Me had worked as a concession stand back <laughs> that six months. You selling cotton candy? Uh, no. It was that well? It was a Summer of Love. He came to San Francisco and <laughs> I was, worked uh, at the Candlestick Boy for the yeah, San Francisco, Francisco Giants.
1: Giants. Yeah, back in the days of Willie Mays, mm-hmm. Willie McCovey. Those were oh, great oh, those were great days. days. Yeah,
0: but uh, that's for another show. Oh, but in the earthquake of '89, I remember the the earthquake uh, just uh, among other things, the the bridge had collapsed and uh, the, the Bay Bridge. Uh, and the marina district built on sand, uh, the gas mains uh, blew, and the, the, there was great fires. But people came uh, together, and uh, they supported one another. In the midst of all of these tragedies, how the community responds uh, is part of the healing. And, and Father Kirst was talking about uh, how a, a wound that heals leaves a scar, but some wounds uh, remain always festering because they're not healed. So a community coming together, in whether it is the tragedy of the shooting or a natural disaster, maybe from your experiences as, as pastors, as priests, uh, what have you seen uh, personally or close to you uh, that has brought about healing after these disasters? Because I think that's so important for our people, our listening audience, and in a, a spirit of hope, which is so much a part of our Catholic faith.
2: Well, after those sorts of things, sometimes people carry this illusion that things are going to get back to normal the mm. the way they were before. I think we are talking at a break about what are the most intense tragedies that we've had to encounter in our roles as pastors and immediately for me jumped to mind the occasions of my life which have unfortunately been way too many of getting called in to attend to a family who's experienced a suicide, especially the suicide of a child and especially intense when that suicide happened in the family home. Yes. And getting called into those the whole way, of course, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And, and I kind of take, well, I'm, I'm going to let the Lord tell me what I'm supposed to say, or I have no idea what to say to these people. And, of course, devastation beyond imagination. And, and I think it, to have the illusion that, well, at some point, you know, with the passage of time, things are just going to get back to normal. Well, no, they're not. Uh, There's going to be a a scar there that's Mm going to be carried through the rest of the lives of the the people who knew and loved that person who has taken their own life. But uh, people, especially with the approach of faith, uh, learn to create a new normal, if you will, to to live with that scar and to to try and say things like, well, you know, pretty soon, you know, this is going to hurt for a while, but pretty certain the hurt will go away. Well, I don't think that's very good pastoral counsel. No. No, the hurt will always be there. It may... Lessen in its intensity with the passage of time, but it's always going to be there. And people weave that into their lives. Then uh, this this sadness they carry with them, that is uh, becomes a part of their their life now and again. As Father Me was sharing early on in this program, to join that to to the suffering of Christ is our way to really see the the power of redemption and the Paschal mystery at work in our lives, and and to know that we. We'll carry that scar, and, and we're not going to return to the way it was before, but the way it is now is led by the grace mm-hmm. of God and His providence, and you know, keeps us moving And as a people of faith,
0: that, that needs to be a response if there's going to be healing. <clears throat> Maybe just a few last, uh, less than a minute of the show. Father, may any final thoughts on Well, on I was going are?
1: to mention something about the Potomac, uh, but... You changed my thoughts mm-hmm. back to San Francisco and the uh, San Francisco Giants, mm-hmm. Juan of the pitcher, and all that. Oh, yeah. But you'll remember that old mm-hmm. movie with Clark Gable and Jeanette McDonald. Simply, San Francisco is the name of the movie.
0: Is that on the 1906 earthquake?
1: It was on the 1906 earthquake. Spencer Tracy was a priest there, and he Mm. would be a fine priest if we could have him in the Diocese of Spokane. It would make him a Monsignor. It would make him a Monsignor. But the closing scene, Clark Gable, who was a man who hadn't much faith, but through all of this, this disaster of the earthquake of um, 1906, um, he comes to be a man of faith, but Jeanette McDonald steals the show as in the church. She sings with the boys choir, Jerusalem. And uh, so it's just, they're sitting there after this disaster. And some of the words from that hymn, I don't know if you want me to sing it or not. Just maybe say it. Yeah. All right. Then I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem. And it's the idea of... uh, we are never conquered no matter what the disaster is so let us not both in mind and uh in spirit continue on until maybe not till we build jerusalem but until we reach uh the heavenly jerusalem
0: well i mean that's a great way to, to end this show and we do so always in gratitude for the opportunity to speak to Eastern Washington and beyond about the importance of our Catholic Christian faith and how it's lived in, in the beautiful moments of life and in these tragedies that sadly we face. We ask that you continue to pray for our diocese and for our people, and most especially that God will bless us, that we will grow ever closer to him and to his son. And we make this prayer through Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless.